All right. Well, today is Palm Sunday. You guys know that? Yeah. I've talked about it a few times. Uh, we've had slides, a bunch of palm trees. Uh, we don't see too many palm trees around here unless you get out of the state. Uh, or you, for whatever reason, you know, the other day I went into Lowe's and in their like flower section, there's all these palm trees. I'm like, what are people supposed to do with these things? But uh, back to California, we would buy them and plant them in the front yard. And, and here, I'm, I'm not quite sure what to do. But uh, Palm Sunday, historically, the church has celebrated uh, Palm Sunday as a celebration that begins Holy Week. It's kind of the, the kickoff, if you would, uh, to this procession that we celebrate in the church this last week of Jesus's life, ending with Good Friday, ending with the Good Friday service that we'll celebrate on Friday, and into the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus's life uh, from the grave. And again, really want to encourage you to bring family, friends, anybody who you know, invite them to come with us uh, for Easter here next Sunday. I'd love for you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 21. Uh, we're really, really encouraging on a regular basis. Bring your paper Bible. Bring your Bibles. If you don't own one and you don't know how to get one, we'll buy it for you. Uh, but please go home. Look throughout your bookshelves. Find your Bibles. If you're a parent in this room, your kids are watching you. They, my kids are watching you. Have your Bibles in your lap. Open them up and let's continue to to dive into the scriptures. I also want to encourage you uh, to bring a notebook and a pen and be able to take notes because you can't possibly remember everything that's said on a given Sunday. And so it's just nice to be able to jot down some notes on what God might be saying to you. Uh, if you're new to the Bible, there's Old Testament, New Testament. Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. Kind of a little bit past the uh, halfway point, you'll find that. And we're going to be starting at Matthew chapter 21, starting in verse 1. And here's what it says. This is out of the ESV. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you're going to find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord needs them. And he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Zechariah, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast, a burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put, them, put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road. And others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Uh, I've been reviewing with my boys all week uh, what is Palm Sunday, what is Good Friday, what is Easter. Uh, as typical males, uh, we're having to review a lot of times. Uh, Max the other day kind of confused uh, Palm Sunday with Christmas somehow. So huge uh, dad failure and pastor failure, but we're getting there. And so uh, you also might be going, I kind of understand a little bit about Palm Sunday, but really not really. And so what we want to do is unpack this from a slightly different angle and help us understand the magnitude that's going on. I also have to admit I've had like five cups of coffee, so I'm a little strung up this morning. And so uh, you're just going to have to run with me as we 
unpack this. Now, what's going on with this phrase, the son of David, is absolutely fascinating. Jesus is the son of Abraham. He's the son of David. This is tied to the promises that God is going to literally fix the brokenness that occurred when the kingdom fell. When sin entered the world and everything went to pot, God is going to fix things. The people in the crowd, they're seeing Jesus come in on this cult. They know their Bible. Even if they're not God followers, they know the scriptures. And so Jesus is coming in on this cult and they're laying their, their jackets off of their shoulders. They're laying them on the dirty ground. They're cutting branches off the, off the trees and they're shouting Hosanna. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. It's a frenzy that's going on in Jerusalem as Jesus rides in. We know that Hosanna means save us. And so they're shouting Hosanna. We hear that. They would hear save us. A, a, a crying out, a pleading, if you would. Please do something. Why? Because they're under Roman rule. And the conditions aren't very good. Hosanna, please save us. So as Jesus is coming in, in this frenzy, the crowd, save us, son of David. And their hope is in the enthronement of Jesus Christ. I want you to remember this statement. Their hope is in the enthronement of Jesus Christ. We're going to come back to this in just a moment. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he enters into Jerusalem, the whole, the whole city is stirred up now. And people are hearing others shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, son of David. And then others begin to say, who is this guy? What's going on? Why is everybody worked up? Who is this? And the crowds begin to shout, this is the prophet Jesus from the Nazareth of God. My question for you, have you ever been misunderstood? A few times? Maybe once. Uh, husbands and wives, we misunderstand each other all the time, right? Uh, friends, uh, maybe, how many of you have ever sent a text with one tone, but it was received with another tone? Raise your hand if that's happened to you. Okay. Uh, maybe, maybe like some of you old people uh, are new to texting and you do all caps and then people respond back saying, stop shouting at me. And you're like, I don't understand the rules. Uh, explain. Like, we get misunderstood all the time. You intend to do something for your bride or your husband and it backfires and you're like, that's not what my intention was. And all of a sudden we're in this conflict, right? Or you are associated with friends and you do something or someone says something or they're in like, they've got gas and they look at you with like a squinty eye and you're like, why are you glaring at me? And, and we get misunderstood all the time. Misunderstandings are a normal part of life. And Jesus came to bring hope to this world. But the hope that he was offering was misunderstood for a revolution. For a war. And he was quickly identified as not being the hero that the people wanted. Let's get back to this. What, what you see in this passage looks like a coronation, a crowning of royalty, a, a moment of setting the, the crown on a 
king or a queen. This is what's happening. We have a man coming in on the back of a steed or an art case, a, a, a colt and a donkey prophesied in, in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. People are waving palm branches. They're throwing their cloaks on the ground. They're reading the Old Testament prophecy. And they're responding, saying, holy smokes, it's happening. This is the leader. This is the one who came to save us. This is where our hope has always been placed. He's here. He's coming. He's going to the throne. We get to see this. And this is the rhythm of Jesus' life. This is what has been taught about, about Jesus. All throughout the prophecy. And all throughout his life and his ministry. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 2, Jesus is declared king at his birth. He is anointed as, as king and empowered by the Holy Spirit in his earthly mission in Matthew chapter 3. He is recognized as king in his ministry by his disciples in John chapter 1. His enemies referred to him as king in John chapter 19. He himself refers to him as king in Luke chapter 23. Jesus has brought the kingdom of God, and it's happening. Can you feel it? It's happening right before our eyes. He's breaking into darkness. You see, the miracles that Jesus performed all throughout his life were not intended to amaze or wow anybody. They're about the power of the kingdom of God breaking into through the fallenness of this present darkness. And that's what God's doing in this moment. And what we see here in Jesus' entire ministry is about the announcement of the kingdom of God here and now. And now on Palm Sunday, we have Jesus coming in. He's heading towards the temple with voices shouting like trumpets, blaring all throughout the crowd. For the announcement of a coming king. And it gets better. Because do you know where kings are in thrones? The temple. And where's the temple? In Jerusalem. He's on the road. He's heading there. It's as straight of a path as this center aisle. He's heading to the temple. He's heading to the enthronement. He's heading to the coronation. He's heading to get crowned. And the people couldn't be more excited. Finally, what has been talked about for thousands of years, we get to see it. Our grandfathers and our mothers and our fathers and our brothers, they all died. They didn't get to see it, but we get to see it. He's going to the temple. He's going to get a crown. And you have Jesus coming through the town, and the crowd is shouting, Hosanna, son of David, save us. Son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord and is headed towards the temple. And momentum is building. The hopes of the people of God are stirred. And here it is. It's Paul Sunday. The son of Abraham. The son of David. Looks to be on the brink of being enthroned. And what does this mean? I want you to understand how excited this crowd was because this matters. What this means about him being enthroned is that once Christ is enthroned, 
than that rock that Daniel saw in Daniel chapter 2. You can read the story about it, this vision that Daniel has. Daniel chapter 2, it says, quote, the stone not cut by human hands that turns into a mountain and fills the whole earth. They have no idea what that's going to look like. But they know that a stone not cut by human hands is going to come in on a donkey and he's going to become a mountain and he's going to fill the whole earth. Excitement is building. Here we go. It's happening. People are losing their minds right now. It's like if the Rockies were to win the World Series. People are going to go crazy. We expect the Broncos to do it every handful of years. The Rockies, this place, will come unhinged. This is what is happening right now. Everybody's kind of going crazy. They're taking off their outer garments. They're throwing on them on the ground, which is very strictly reserved for royalty and very well observed. You only take those robes off and throw it on if the highest royalty is coming into town. And they're screaming out, Hosanna! Because Christ is going to be enthroned. And the kingdom of God is built on earth. And what we see here is very similar to a Caesar coronation. A new Caesar is coming in. All of the steps are lining up with secular culture on a new king, a new Caesar coming into power. And in his triumphal entry, Jesus was entering his throne room, the temple. This is certainly how the Jews would have not only read, but observed what was happening. And then the unthinkable happens. These same Jesus willingly endures multiple trials. Most all of them considered very illegal in the day. The Jewish law had very specific rules on trials, God follower or not. And almost everything that Jesus went through went completely against Jewish law. He was beaten severely and then he was Stay with me on this connection between the excitement and the destruction. Because this is very important on Palm Sunday. Because in his crown of thorns and, and the purple robe that we read about that was put on his back, we see Jesus enthroned as king. In his trials, in his crucifixion, not in the temple and in a takes his rightful place on the throne of Reigning, not waiting for Easter Sunday and the resurrection, but on the cross. And this has enormous ramifications for us. This matters. And not only do we need to fully understand this, but we got to teach our kids this. Because Jesus, as he always did, flips everything upside down and swims completely against the grain. 
Because for the believer in Christ, we must learn to see divine kingdom power through the lens of Jesus' cross, not enthroned in the temple. If you're confused, you're with the Jews of today. Because it makes no sense. No one is ever enthroned, never, no one is ever crowned on a cross. That is for the thieves, the murderers, the rapists, those who speak against Caesar. That, those are for the bad people. <clears throat> Jesus turns things upside down and says, I will be enthroned, I will be crowned, not in the temple, not with trumpets, not with gold, not with a beautiful robe. The temptation many of us Christians encounter is we're buying into the lie that what we need to be is stronger and more powerful and take our rightful place. I work for it. I deserve it. This is mine. No one can take this away from me. And if you think that way at all, it's okay because that's American way of thinking. And we have bought into that even as followers of Christ. But that's not how Jesus reigned. You want power? Bypass your enthronement and get on the cross. You want to walk in kingdom power? Die to yourself. You want to experience kingdom power lived out through you? Serve others. You want to see kingdom power in others? Empower others. It is so counterculture to our day. But that's where the power is found. That's the power of Palm Sunday. The invitation to you and to me from our king, the king of kings and lord of lords, is not see me on the throne, but rather take up your cross and follow me. Die. What it's not is if you have time on weekends. What it's not is if it's comfortable for you. What it's not is if it's convenient for you or if you have enough time. If your life gets to a place where it's not chaotic, then follow me. Sorry, but that's not it. We die to ourselves if you want to be citizens of the kingdom. Jesus says the way to power is not catered to my needs. The key to power is death to self. And so I want to ask you, where is Jesus ruling in your life? Is he ruling from a throne or is he ruling from the cross? Because those two perspectives change everything. 
when we, when we look at Jesus ruling from the throne, we live life expectant. That everything's going to be nice and neat, that, that life's just going to work, that there's not going to be stress, that there's not going to be conflict, that there's not going to be physical ailments, that there's not going to be tension between husbands and wives. We have this expectancy. Jesus is on the throne, and I've said yes to him, so life should just be dandy. When we look at Jesus ruling from the cross, submitting himself, suffering, dying, and ruling not with strength and power, but by sacrifice. And then he turns to us and says, if you want to live in that Spirit. We've been in this uh, series prior to this Holy Week on uh, the, the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, self like we're going through everything. That power is found in suffering and sacrifice and serving and breaking and struggling and pouring out. That's where it's found, is backwards thinking. This last weekend, our, our men's uh, getaway took place. Several of you have given me grief for not being here last Sunday. It's nice. Uh, but we were gone. We were at a cabin. If you missed it, if you were a guy that you missed it, I, I certainly want to share the good. I also want to share the bad. If you missed it, you slept significantly better here at home than you did at the retreat. The, the, the snore was ungodly and out of this world. Um, no one should be subject to that. Kind of felt like we were back in California where the whole cabin was like moving a little bit, like we were having a tremor. Um, Storm was atrocious. But what happened uh, on this getaway, 25 men gathered to take an honest look at self and sin was confessed. Weakness was shown. Tears were shed. Embracing of one another took place. And in that weakness, strength was found. It was an incredible time of way. And I know it's a little bit confusing because we think of weakness and strength not necessarily cohabitating. And yet they do somehow in Christ. <laughs> Somehow in Christ, coming in on the donkey, that's filthy. And not going to the temple and being enthroned, but showing weakness. As he's arrested and goes through the events of Good Friday. Strength is found. And friends, the faster that we drop our facade of strength and power and show our own weaknesses, the more strength we find. The more that we 
look to the interest of others, that we consider them better than ourselves, that we look to serve another, that we die to self, that we place ourselves below another and we elevate them, whether that's in Africa or Juarez or your next door neighbor. The more we live the life of Christ and that power is lived through us. The Bible says it's actually in weakness that strength is found. Which is why if you feel that you are weak and you are walking with God, the Bible says you should rejoice. Rejoice in your weakness because he is strong. It's counterintuitive, I get it. But I want you to take a picture or I want you to write this down. It's the gospel. Everything that we're talking right now, it's the gospel. Riding in, not on a chariot, not with trumpets, not with shiny rims and, and hydraulics, lifting up the car and we're having a good time, but on a filthy donkey and not enthroned in a temple, but on a cross where he is placed by the very people shouting Hosanna. And he goes willingly in love. This is the gospel. This is the gospel. If you're a kid in this room, listen to me. This is the gospel. This is the power that's available to you. But the requirement is to live your life counterintuitive than what the world says to you. To live counterintuitive than what your friends are suggesting or offering. And you go, well, it's weird. Yes! It's ridiculously weird. But it's Jesus. You know what's relevant today? is relevant today. You see, the more that we try and make ourselves relevant to the world around us, the more that we're not emptying ourselves out so the Spirit flows through us. All for the sake of wanting to be relevant. But we're supposed to be different. Jesus was different. If you haven't read the Scriptures, Spend some time in the Gospels. Jesus was a bit different. And you need to embrace this. We, as followers of Christ, need to embrace this. Followers of Jesus, we have an ethic on sexuality that makes us strange. We have a view of money and how to manage it and what to do with it. That's weird. Why is it weird? Because you give it away. We have a way of seeing marriage that makes us bizarre. We have a way of seeing uh, friendship and loyalty and wholeheartedness that makes us abnormal to this world. And we don't back off those things in order to help people see the kingdom of God. We embrace those things. We embrace them proudly. Quick disclaimer. I'm 
telling you, be a weirdo. Don't be a weirdo. Don't go online on Amazon today and, and buy some holy water for $9.99 and put it in a squirt gun and go to work tomorrow and start squirting in the name of Jesus. Don't be a weirdo. You laugh, but I'm saying don't be weird. Serve the world around you. You want to speak apologetics? Sacrifice first before you even say a word. You want to stand out so that someone asks you why you stand out and why you're different from anyone else that they've ever met? Then look to the interests of others. You want to make a dent in this world? Be a peacemaker. This world needs peace so badly. You want to be foreign to this world? Hold your tongue. Or hold your keyboard. Don't say what's on your mind. The scriptures say, Behold, your king is coming to you. that follow, which we will follow the church calendar next year. We'll start with Ash Wednesday. We'll participate in Monday, Thursday. We will have Good Friday. We will have Easter. This is the beginning of what's coming, the meal, in a few short hours. And then an arrest. And terrible trials. And then a death. And then a resurrection. But today is Palm Sunday. today again and endure a hundred horrible deaths to save you. You, undeserving you, you who gives him every reason to turn his back on him, on you. He does that for you. And he would do it again and twice this day.
presumed weakness that is actually strength. Rest in his enthronement and his coronation, not on a throne in the temple, but in a trial and on the throne, on the cross where he receives his throne. Rest in that. And I want to invite you to Good Friday again, because we're actually going to celebrate the cross on Friday. There is a time, and we've done this on past Good Fridays, where we've looked at the destruction and the horror of the cross. We know that, and we'll touch on that briefly. We are going to celebrate what actually happened on the cross. It's why we call it Good Friday. I want to invite you back here for that 7 o'clock, and then next Sunday, Easter, where set loose, donuts are shared, coffee and hugs and high fives because it is the church's Super Bowl because our team wins. So God, we love you. We are grateful for you. We're grateful for all that you've done. Thank you that, that you come and just turn things upside down. All the world thought you were heading straight for that temple. The doors were going to be slung open. The chair was waiting for you. Everybody was ready to say our team wins. And then you bypass it and you go to the cross. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you bring peace and wholeness and hope in a way that is completely counterintuitive to this world. And you still do that today. Thank you that you are making your way all throughout this room, that you are encouraging and loving and every one of us speaking continue to do that as we worship you with our whole heart.